This is The State We're In from WBEZ. I'm Jonathan Gruber with real-life transformative stories from all around the world. Hope you're having a good holiday season, whether it be Easter or Passover or whatever. For this show, though, I want you to cast your mind back to the Christmas season. Well, kind of. I want you to come with me to mid-November, actually. That's when the biggest holiday here in the Netherlands, where I live, really gets going. It's bigger than Christmas here. This is when Sinterklaas, or St. Nicholas's steamboat, pulls into towns all across the Netherlands. Sinterklaas is a lanky, bearded man dressed in a red cardinal's robes with a big golden staff. He roams the land for two weeks, finally delivering presents to all the good boys and girls in the country on the eve of his birthday, December the 5th. But Sinterklaas does not come alone. And that is where the trouble starts. So here they're writing that my master needs to be found. And here they're saying that they should have tied a brick around my neck and thrown me off a boat. This is Quincy Gario. He's a Dutch artist and activist originally from St. Martin in the Netherlands Antilles. And he's reading just a selection of the thousands of emails and letters he received after he started openly protesting a character that is a key part of the center-class tradition called Zwarte Piet, or Black Piet. Quincy has made a lot of people very angry. Is that Negro completely stoned? And, the, and they're using the word Negro there, because in the Nether, even in Dutch, yeah, they used to say... Neger, or Negro, was the common word, and nowadays people say zwart, black, but they're using the word neger instead of that, so they're purposely picking a, a word that is uh, more laden with meaning. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Things that, what's the worst one there? Um, that Negro needs to die. So I'm just going to assume that people don't normally say things like this to you <laughs> in your daily life. <laughs> Who is Swarte Pete, or Black Pete? To answer that, I have convened an expert panel. My name is Blackson. I am seven years old. My name is Lucas, and I'm 12 years old. Lucas and Maxim are 100% Dutch boys who are also, full disclosure, 100% my sons. I asked them who Black Pete or Swarte Piet is. That is a, a black guy who wants to give presents to kids. Swarte Piet for Sinterklaas is like the elves for Santa Claus. Just a few differences. What does Swarte Piet look like? A black face, red lips, sometimes like golden earrings, a black hair. Do you like Swarte Piet? Pretty much, yeah. Because he gives me presents and candy. Is Swarte Piet fun? Yeah. And is Swarte Piet good or bad? It's not bad. They are like comical characters. They're Santa's little helpers. Santa's little helpers who happen to be white people in blackface, red lipstick, Afro wigs, golden hoop earrings, dressed like pages from the Middle Ages. They accompany Sinterklaas everywhere he goes, literally throwing candy at kids, playing tricks on them, playing games, riding unicycles, and, of course, delivering presents. Centuries ago, Swarte Piet was a Germanic black devil figure called Krumpus, 
But that changed when the Netherlands became deeply involved in the slave trade. From 1644 until 1863, they pretty much built up the Atlantic slave trade when they started and then the English took it over from them. So the figure comes out of that time frame and in 1828, white people started dressing up as black men, as enslaved people. So they started blacking up their faces, putting on black wigs, curly wigs, and started wearing page suits. So they would be the servants. And the uh, red lipstick and the uh, golden earrings. From 1828, when the figure was first signaled, um, until 1851, when he was first visually made into a template by an Amsterdam school teacher, until 1934, when the figure was actually for first time used in a national parade. Um, he's undergone subtle changes, but he's basically stuck to the same model of a black man being portrayed as a white person. So if I were a foreigner who'd come into the Netherlands on the day that Sinterklaas arrives with his Swarte Pieten, the Black Peters, what would I see? You would see one white man dressed in a red robe with a long white beard and a red mitre, surrounded by 300 to 500 white people dressed up as black people with red lipstick, black face paint, curly wigs, and making acrobatic moves, talking bad Dutch, spreading candy and turning people's faces, carrying kids, and doing all type of shenanigans. It's fun. Not for you, but for kids, it's... No, it's portrayed as fun. It's been socialized as fun. Quincy, I have two kids. They love it, okay? (laughs) They love it. Even because kids don't see, the whole racial aspect of it is is, is irrelevant for them. They, they, They just see it as fun. Kids see race, though. Kids have been known to see race via research. No, no but um, it, it's fun. Admit it. It's no, fun it's for not. kids. It's fun for kids. It's not fun for kids. My kids think it's really fun. Yeah, because the kids have been made completely crazy for two weeks before at school. Swipe to Peter's down. Peter's down. Quincy and his family are originally from St. Martin, part of the Netherlands Antilles. His mom and brother moved with him to Holland so he could go to college. And this is where he first really encountered Piet. He says it didn't bother him at first, but then one day his mom called him up crying. I'm like, what's going on? And she told me, um, you have... No understanding of what just happened to me. I can't understand this. I thought they were my friends. At work, she had gone outside, and she came back inside, and the receptionist at her work, in front of clients, started saying, hey, we were looking for our black Pete, and there you are. When the receptionist said this, my mom was 56 years old, completely gray, really elegant. What does this have to do with black Pete? only connection is her skin color. When your mom called you up and she was really, really upset and really, really hurt, how did you feel? I felt horrible. Yeah. And I wanted to do something about it. So this is what he did. Quincy created what he calls an art project. 
he printed T-shirts and banners with the slogan Zwarte Piet is Racisme, or Black Piet is Racism, written across it. Then he would go to a center-class parade and stand silently, but visibly, just to see what would happen. In 2011, the biggest center-class parade was in the city of Dordrecht. He and three others turned up to begin their art project. Two of us had a T-shirt on, and the other two didn't. We were making a banner in an alleyway, and a police officer came up to us and told us, hey, um, there are no banners allowed today because it's a national safety issue thingy, so you can't do that. So we're like, oh, is it because of what we have on the banner? They were like, yeah, yeah. They said yes. What did it say on the banner? The banner said, Zwarte Piet is racism. Black Peter is racism. But then we asked if we could stand there with our T-shirts on. He was like, yeah, the T-shirts are no problem, just the banner can't go into the air. So we're like, okay, cool. An American student came up, and she was like, oh, God, thank God that you guys are here. I've been saying this for the longest of a while. This Black Pete stuff is completely racist. It needs to stop. Thank you for standing here and doing this. Can I take your picture? We were like, okay. So she took our picture, and between a minute of that happening and her walking away, police officers came up to us. How many? I think about five. They were like, hey, you guys need to go. I told them, no, we're allowed to stand there like everybody else. We have the right to stand there. And they're like, no, you were told to go away. And I was like, no, that hasn't been the case. And before I knew it, I was on the ground and three of them were on me, kneeing me in my kidneys, hitting me in my stomach. They had their knees on my neck and my head and they were trying to lift me up and uh, pull me away. A bystander was filming the arrest. The image moves in from behind a group of people, and Quincy is already on the ground in the fetal position. There are three officers on top of him. One has his full weight on Quincy and is holding his arm in a grip. Another is holding down his head and his other arm, and the third is leaning in with his full weight to help the other two. Quincy is shouting, I didn't do anything, over and over again, while the public mills around and looks on. Then the police literally drag Quincy around the corner. The camera follows. Two cops kneel on top of him, and Quincy goes silent. This video went pretty viral within the Netherlands. It was on all over the news, part of a lot of discussion programs. You had to watch that thing over and over again, probably. What did you think when you were watching the arrest? Horrified. It was a constant reminder of where my daily neck and shoulder pain come from. Oh, they really hurt you, huh? They, they really hurt me. And then what happened? So they, I saw that they had you down on the ground. You were sort of a little bit curled up. Yeah. You had handcuffs on? Were your arms behind you? No. Um, they were trying to put handcuffs on me, and it wasn't working. And I was in a fetal position. It was really weird because all of a sudden your body goes into these spasms as you know four people are pulling at different limbs at the same time, and you're wondering what's going on. Then they pepper sprayed me. It was pretty horrifying because you feel all of this happening to you. And then you're thinking to yourself, so this is what happens when you wear a T-shirt in this country. Wow. <laughs> you're laughing, but it's not funny. It's, huh? it's not funny. No, completely not. But it's also really understanding because... Like I said, I made sure that nobody was indifferent, not even the police, not even the police commissioner, not even the mayor, because the decision to arrest us came directly from the mayor and the police commissioner. The mayor of Dordrecht. The mayor of and Dordrecht. And the commissioner of police in Dordrecht. Yeah. 
Quincy filed suit, and the Dordrecht city prosecutor agreed that he should have never been arrested. However, the police did not admit to using excessive force, and Quincy has taken his case to the European Court of Human Rights. After the arrest, Quincy laid low, hoping to have inspired others to take up the cause. This did not happen, so he and 20 others filed a complaint with the city of Amsterdam about the coming Sinterklaas parade, stating that Zwarte Piet was insulting and discriminatory. Now, let's stop and consider what Quincy just did. Imagine for a moment somebody filed a complaint against the Christmas parade in your town, citing somehow that Santa Claus or the elves or the Easter Bunny or whatever was totally offensive. How would people react? How would you react? How would the media react? Well, that's pretty much what happened in Holland. All of the national media picked it up. All of the prestige papers picked it up. Every single TV show picked it up. And everybody was like, what? What is going on here? A formal complaint against the Santa Claus parade? Who would do such a thing? It was, <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Quincy was at the center of one of the most polarizing national debates in Dutch history. He went on evening TV shows to explain himself, shows that would often end in angry debates. Henk? <laughs> Local Dutch celebrities were also picking sides and getting yelled at or yelling at each other across tables on live TV. And then the United Nations got involved. In January of 2012, they sent a letter to the uh, Dutch representative in the UN asking them, hey, what's going on with this Black Peach figure? This is, this is kind of odd. It took the Dutch ambassador to the UN six months to reply, saying, yeah, it's a children's tradition. It's something that we will deal with internally. You guys don't have to worry about it, and we don't see a problem with it. The TV program Ein Vandaag, One Today, decided to call up the working group and ask them what's going on right now with your research. And then the professor, Professor Vereen Shepard, from the University of West Indies, said... This is madness. Um, we're going to study it for the coming year, but I can tell you from a black woman's perspective that you guys just need to stop. The working group cannot understand why it is that people in the Netherlands cannot see that this is a throwback to slavery and that in the 21st century, this practice should stop. From what you're saying right now, I get the impression that your mind already is made up. As a, as a, as a member of the working group, I'm obliged to do further investigation. But as a black person, I believe that if I lived in the Netherlands and saw this, that I would object. It was a national anxiety attack. Because the UN is a stick that we in the West use to beat other countries with, and we don't get spoken to about what we do. The Netherlands is always at the top of the UN human rights list. Uh, it's always on the side of the Netherlands. And here was the UN coming down on the Netherlands. Here was the UN coming down on the Netherlands. So uh, what happened? So the UN came down on the Netherlands, the European Council came down on the Netherlands, um, saying, hey, it's a racist country. The national ombudsman saying that the political climate in The Hague, the capital, was racist. And then people were like, what? What's going on here? So a couple of guys in Brabant, which is a, a certain province of the country, decided we're going to set up a petiti. The petition, a petition, yeah. Petition. Yeah. And within 24 hours, they had 2 million likes. 2 million. 2 million. There's only 17 million people in the whole country. <laughs> <Yeah>. 2 million. 
What did you think when you realized there were two million people who basically were saying, Quincy, go away? I was a gif. What? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, finally, people are showing their true colors. These are supposedly progressive people who are liking it. Yeah, normal, average, everyday, relatively left-wing Dutch people saying things like... Saying things like, um, black people need to get out of the country if they don't like a tradition. This is ours, not theirs. They're here as guests. It's not racism. They're the racists for calling us racism. It's reverse racism. It was completely nuts. And people were sending me packages. Packages? Packages, yeah. They sent me 25 kilograms of salt. Salt? Salt. Why? I have no clue. So you get this huge package... And with no description on it, no letter, no accompanying anything, just Quincy Gario and Black Pete. And you're like, oh, no, let's not open this here. So what'd you do with it? Um, We called the bomb squad and they came with a couple of dogs as well. The road of the studio was blocked off. People had to leave the building. And then the bomb guy was like, "This this is messed up. You got a couple of thousand threats. You got a bomb scare. Were you scared? I was. Maybe you're wondering how it's possible that a rich, open Western society like the Netherlands can ignore the building drumbeat of international pressure and drive so many otherwise perfectly normal average people to threats of violence. I think the answer is this. While it is true that the Dutch were active in the slave trade hundreds of years ago, there have never been slaves in Holland. The Netherlands was a very homogenous society. There were no Jim Crow laws, no historical need for a civil rights movement. There is racism in Dutch society, but it was certainly not institutional or legal. And even if you believe Swarte Piet's symbolism is racist, it is clear that it is not intended to be racist. And to call Dutch people racist directly contradicts the Dutch self-image that their society, in some cases well-deserved and in some cases exaggerated, has been one of Europe's most open and tolerant for centuries. People have said to me that Quincy is taking their happy, innocent childhood memories and making them ugly. A lot of people have said that to me. So, so isn't it true if that's how they experience it? It's not. But that's how they're experiencing it. That's how they're experiencing it, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you can keep your memories and um, you can think back at that time of youthful ignorance. But once you know, then it's your ethical obligation to change. We miss self-reflection in this country. Yeah, but you're holding up the ugly mirror to people. Yeah, completely, yeah. Do you expect people to just say, oh my gosh, look how ugly we are. We're going to change tomorrow. I mean... From a country that presents itself as detached and as cool, even-headed, progressive, and a guide country, it's become painfully obvious that we're actually pretty backwards in our understanding of our own selves. Was there ever a moment where you thought to yourself, these people can't handle it. They can't handle the truth. I've got to stop or I'm going to get hurt. Mm, no. You never thought, I'm going to get hurt? This is... No, if, I yeah. don't, if I don't quit this, I'm gonna, somebody's going to... 
Well, I, I did think I was going to get hurt. I mean, I already got hurt. I mean, the arrest. More, more hurt. I mean, that was, but that happened to you before you even really got going. Exactly. Now you'd created a national discussion. The country was freaking out. It was a topic. It was in the news every single day. Yeah. People um, were talking about it. People hated you. Yeah. You're the guy that killed Christmas. <laughs> did anybody say that to you? You're killing Christmas. You know what I mean. Did anybody say that to you? <laughs> Not to my face. I didn't see it. They probably said it somewhere. Yeah. What's the kindest thing anybody said about you during all this? There was a, a kid. I think he was 11. And he sent me an email saying, um, you know, for years in school I've been teased. And now finally I have someone to look up to who tells them how it is. And I was like, wow. How did you feel when you, when you read that? It was pretty amazing. Yeah. When you're realizing you're having a um, a one-on-one impact on kids in school who finally are able to stand up and not be afraid of being ostracized from the class if they speak up and say, hey, I'm not doing this, or you need to stop. Um, and I think that's basically what I wanted to do. I wanted to get people going. I wanted to get people mobilized. I wanted to get people to understand that they have a right to be here and a right to speak out. And when this kid sent me that, I was like, what? 11, you know? Yeah. So cool. And then November the 17th came around. That's the day when Sinterklaas and all the Black Peters come into to Amsterdam. This was the parade you were trying to stop, or at least get a discussion going on trying to change. It didn't stop. There was one change, the tiniest of changes. There were a couple of little changes. The earrings were optional. The type of hair and the color of hair was optional. And the color of the lipstick was optional. But the organization has no backbone. So the organization didn't dare tell its volunteers what they can and cannot do. So it basically went ahead as it always has, with almost no changes whatsoever. With almost no changes whatsoever, yeah. So, where does this leave you? Well, it leaves me in a pretty good spot. Why? The understanding of the parade changed. There were a whole lot of articles wherein people were asking themselves, why are my friends freaking out? What does this have to do anymore with a children's tradition? It's not about the children anymore. It's about the parents. And I think there's where the switch came. There was an article in uh, the Volkskrant, one of the biggest newspapers in the country, a daily, where the columnist basically said, hey, I was standing there with my kids, and it was the first time ever where the black face paint felt aggressive. There you have it. That's it. Despite Quincy Gario's optimism, there is still a long way to go. The Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte was recently asked about the controversy about Zwarte Piet at an international news conference. This is a uh, old children's tradition, and it is not green peat or brown peat, it is black peat, so I cannot change that. This is an old tradition, and uh, I can only say that my friends in uh, the Dutch Antilles, they are very happy when they have Sinterklaas because they don't have to paint their faces. And when I'm playing for black peat, I'm for days trying to get off the stuff on my face. The Dutch Prime Minister subsequently apologized to the leadership of the Netherlands Antilles. 
Negotiations have begun for this coming November's center class parade, but reports are that both sides are pretty entrenched and no new changes have been agreed. Vereen Shepard, the UN investigator who said the whole center class tradition should be scrapped, was told by her superiors that she'd overstepped her role and there will be no United Nations investigation into Svartapit. This edition of The State We're In was produced by myself with a little help from Mr. Greg Shapiro. You can find out more about him at gregshapiro.com. This is the last of the 13-part season of the State We're In podcast made together with WBEZ, Chicago Public Media. You want more? Well, write to them or to me at our website, twi.biz, or on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash twi.org. You can also donate to the show and help to finance future episodes at twi.biz. Man, that would be great. I'm also super grateful to Tori Malatier and Allison Shally at WBEZ. I couldn't have done this without them. And of course, many thanks go to WBEZ's super helpful Joe Dassault, who can totally take a joke. I'm Jonathan Gruber. Thanks for listening. <laughs>